Hi, and welcome to the SJ Childs Show. I'm your host, SJ Childs, and today we have a fantastic return guest, Richard Capriola, who is wonderful to help us dive deep into the minds of teens. And what more help? We don't need any more help for anybody in our, right? In our society, more than teens, it feels like. And helping them, you know, get the best paths and futures for themselves, but teaching parents how to do that. And, and I think that this is going to be a really great discussion today. So welcome back, Richard. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you, SJ. It's a pleasure to be here with you to talk about the subject of adolescent substance abuse. And uh, uh, thank you so much for inviting me back. Absolutely. You know, for those who didn't get to see your previous episode, give us a little introduction of um, who you are and why you're here today. Well, um, I have been involved in uh, mental health and substance abuse uh, for over two decades. I started out in the field of education for over 30 years as a school administrator for the state of Illinois, and then transitioned out of that career into uh, mental health at, a, at the regional crisis center, and then uh, worked for over a decade at Menninger Clinic in Houston, Texas, which is a large psychiatric hospital, where I treated both teenagers and uh, uh, teens and, and adults uh, diagnosed with mental health and substance abuse issues. And so many times I would sit across from a family and I would go through their child's history of using a substance and give them a diagnosis of a substance use disorder. And they would look across at me and they would say, I had no idea this was going on. Or if they did suspect their child was using a substance, they might say, I sort of thought something was going on, but I didn't know it was this bad. Mm -hmm. And these are good parents. These are very good parents. They were doing the best job they could. They missed the warning signs because nobody told them what to look for. Nobody told them, you know, what they should be looking out for. So after I left Menninger, I wrote my book, The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse, to be a short kept it to around 100 pages because parents are busy. They don't have time to read volumes of information. <laughs> but I wanted to give them the basic information about adolescent substance abuse, hoping that it would help them feel a little bit more comfortable with the subject because it can be a, a scary subject yeah. for a lot of parents that I think a lot of parents want to avoid. They don't want to so look at it. Yeah. They don't want to look at it. Uh, so hopefully this brief book will help them uh, get in a basic understanding of adolescent substance abuse, how substances work in the teenage brain, uh, what the warning signs are, what the treatment options are, what type of assessments are, are, are recommended, and just hopefully feel a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more, uh, a little bit less afraid of this topic. Yeah, isn't that the truth? And today we're really going to talk and dive deep into what happened over the last two years and how the pandemic has shaped and um, how these children have been, you know, put into a situation or, you know, teens in that nobody has had any experience of before. We're all navigating a way in and out of this. So let's, what are your thoughts? And, and let's get started on that discussion and what we can do to help our teens. Yeah, I think uh, what we noticed was during the pandemic year, um, you know, last year, 2021, we noticed that there was a substantial decline, a decrease in adolescent substance abuse. Um, I, For example, 
um, the percentage of teenagers that were using a substance declined significantly in 2021 across all substances, whether wow. it's alcohol or marijuana or nicotine, which are the most commonly used substance yeah. by today's teenagers. Alcohol being used by seniors, high school seniors, dropped from 55% to 47%. Wow. Among 10th graders, it dropped from 41% down to 29%. And marijuana showed a similar decline among, among uh, students. And even vaping of substances like nicotine and marijuana, which prior to 2021, prior to the pandemic, had been surging. On the rise, we, had, yeah. we had seen for about three years a dramatic increase in teenagers vaping nicotine and marijuana. Well, even that declined during 2021. As kids were pulled away from their social environment, they were pulled away from school, they were doing, uh, you know, at home classrooms, online uh, education, they were pulled away from their social activities, their sports activities, being at school. And I think that contributed to a large extent to the decline that, that we saw. Now, we'll know after next year, early next year, we will know whether that decline that we saw in 2021 carried over to 2022, or if now the kids got back into their uh, normal, regular school routine, if there's a spike and in, in, in the substance mm -hmm. abuse percentages went back up in, in, in 2022. Mm -hmm. We'll know that sometime in early uh, uh, 2023. That'll give us a really good outlook on how to maybe move forward in some strategies for teens. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, th I think so. That's great. And, you know, I was just thinking while you were talking about that, I don't know why this came into mind, but I around the time that they were doing a lot of like, you know, the vaping commercials and a lot of like news articles saying that it was coming out. And then, uh, you know, of course, unfortunately there were a lot of COVID. I wonder what, as far as like the lungs and stuff, I wonder how much of that was maybe <laughs> that happening before it happened. But anyways, that's not a conversation for today. Just a random thought in my brain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I won't make you travel down that rabbit hole with me. Um, <laughs> but it's it's really important when we can look at these numbers. Um, now, what about mental health wise? I was just talking to someone earlier today and she we were talking about um, suicide rates and, and unfortunately yeah. that they had possibly increased. Uh, what do you know on, on that front as far as that goes? Do you have those as well? Well, while we saw a decline in teenage substance abuse, we saw the opposite effect, an increase in teenage mental health issues and crises. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not anything new. Because for about 10 years prior to the pandemic, uh, we had already seen a dramatic increase in mental health issues among teenagers. For example, from uh, roughly 2009 to 2019, there had been a 40% increase in high school students reporting uh, feeling uh, sad, feeling depressed, feeling hopeless. And there'd been a 36% increase 
in teens seriously considering suicide. Mm. And that was for about 10 years. Uh, then the pandemic came along. And, you know, during the pandemic, teenagers faced unprecedented challenges. You know, it changed their lives. It changed the lives of their families. Children were removed from their classrooms and their friends and their social and athletic activities. Many were isolated at home, struggling with online learning. Um, and their interaction with their peers was limited pretty much to social media type of platforms and things. So we saw during that pandemic year, you know, uh, depression, anxiety, um, you know, almost doubled among teenagers. And early 2021, we saw visits to the emergency room for suspected suicide were 51% higher for, for girls and 4% higher for boys. Wow. And students and students across, across all grades were reporting feeling anxious and angry and annoyed. Some reported feeling bored and sad and lonely. And then some were reporting problems sleeping. So, you know, this had a dramatic impact on, on, on adolescent mental health. And I, and I think on adults too, because many adults were struggling with, you know, the changes in their life as a result of the pandemic and, and, and families were affected. And when families are affected, kids are affected. Yeah. So it sort of just uh, affected the entire family situation Isn't during that, that pandemic true? year. You know, I'm, we were so lucky in our home that I was already homeschooling one child. And so to bring our second child home for homeschooling, I mean, it was a juggle to <laughs> learn how to accommodate both of them, but we already had a system in place, which was so nice. And then, um, but when we were unable to bring therapists in the home anymore to work, you know, with our son, as they had before, we really took it upon ourselves to still help him through those things. Yeah. And, you know, it was my husband who was on unemployment for the first, you know, nine months or something that really stepped up and took kind of the place of the therapist in our home. Mm -hmm. And he himself, who is, um, has Asperger's and also uh, dyslexia and ADHD. So he is far familiar or excuse me, or I mean, so much, you know, more familiar with what, how he can help our children and, and help them navigate and strategize. And so we were so lucky. Yeah. That we were able to Wonderful. come together as a family. And I really think it brought us together closer with our children just as a unit. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, for, for anyone who's interested, um, uh, I have on my website, my book's website, um, uh, 10 questions uh, that you can ask your child to sort of check in uh, on their mental health. And, and it comes from Newport Academy, which is a very outstanding treatment center for adolescents. I have referred children to, to Newport Academy mm -hmm. for treatment. They do an outstanding job. Well, on my, on my book's website, I have uh, listed about 10 quick questions that you can ask your child. They come from Newport Academy. Um, for example, you might ask your child, what three words best describe how you're feeling now? 
So it's very simple. Just mm-hmm. ask for three words on how you're feeling right now. Another one that I thought was really good was uh, ask your child, if your feelings were weather, what kind of a day would it be outside? I like that. Uh, and it sort of just gives you a quick, easy, fun type of way to check in on their mental health every mm-hmm. once in a while and, and see how they respond to, to some of these questions. Uh, there might be something that parents want to just sort of keep and then every once in a while sort of check in with their kids mm-hmm. by asking these same questions. You know, I just had a thought. Uh, I'll have to be careful how I word this. So recently it's come to our attention that someone that we know is there is a child that is be that is smoking cigarettes. And how do we as parents, because our child brought us this information, what would you suggest? How would we advise this child's parents? Do we, do we advise them? Do we let them deal with that as their family? How do I go about like assisting somebody in their knowing that information? Well, I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's never a bad thing to communicate with parents, you know, parents keeping in touch with each other so yeah. that they can keep on track with what's going on, uh, because there's so much going on that parents don't know about. Right. Um, and I don't think it, it, it hurts to be yeah. able to say to a parent, you know, I picked up this information. I just want you to know about it without necessarily being judgmental or telling them what they should do about it. Just passing along information that, that you have heard. Um, you know, as a parent, I think most parents would appreciate the input, the information. Yeah. They may exactly. already know it, right. uh, but, but they may not. And, um, and, and while it in, involves maybe cigarette smoking in this case, um, you know, an, another case might involve somebody using a drug. Yeah. Uh, and, and many yeah. parents are, are just not aware of, of what's going on out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might appreciate, you know, a heads up on, on what you've learned and then they can take it from there. Absolutely. No, I love that advice. Thank you so much. I'll I'll definitely consider that as the best option. I think it's really important for parents to be communicative. We started a Facebook group and invited all of the parents in our circle and neighborhood and only a few of them joined, which is fine, but it still showed them our um, wanting to reach out, wanting to be involved. You know, we want to know where our daughter's at and the people that she's yeah. with and, and all of that is, you know, we, we would hope the other parents would want as well. So yeah. there's great ways to connect with your kids, parents, like by doing something like that, or maybe a group text or something. I, I just thought that would be something that might be a good idea too. Yeah, the the more you can communicate as parents with each other, the more you can share information, the more you can share tips and things like that, uh, the more you can share resources. Um, you know, I, I think it helps parents to stay on top of the situation, to be informed about what's going on, and to have resources that that at least they have access to. I think that's important. Yeah, definitely. What type of um, things should parents now, you know, that the pandemic is is loosening a little and their kids start to, you know, get back into these social situations, how should they arm, what kind of knowledge should they arm them with going back into schools? 
I, I think in terms of substance abuse, uh, parents need to be aware of what's what's going on. They need to know mm-hmm. what the warning signs are. They need they need to know what to look out for, mm-hmm. because you know this is this is a very scary topic for a lot of parents, and rightly so. Um, but it is also a, a a topic that you can't run away from. Knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. So the more you know about this topic, the better you feel prepared. The better you feel, you know, uh, that, that that is apparent. You can handle the situation if need be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think parents are well advised in knowing that no child is totally protected from substances. Every child is vulnerable to being captured by substances. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter, you know, where you live, urban, suburban, rural area. It doesn't matter what your level of income is. It doesn't matter what kind of school you send your child to. Uh, Every child is, is vulnerable to being captured by these substances, whether it's alcohol or marijuana or some other drug. And I think the reason for that is two, uh, availability. These drugs are readily available to kids and they know it. When we ask high school seniors, how easy is it for you to get marijuana? 85% of them tell us it's real easy. I can get it if I want it. 90% of high school seniors tell us it's no big deal to get alcohol. Um, And they also report that it's easy to get drugs like cocaine and amphetamines and tranquilizers. So these drugs are readily available to to, to kids if they want them and they know where to get them. The other issue is, besides being widely available, these kids don't think these drugs are harmful. They really don't. Um, So when we ask uh, when we asked high school seniors, how harmful do you think it is to smoke marijuana on a regular basis? Only 22%, only 22% of high school seniors tell us they think that's harmful, smoking on a regular basis. And roughly the same percentage, 22% of seniors don't think it's a big deal to have one or two drinks of alcohol almost every day. Oh my goodness. So, you know, Between the two, availability and low perception of harmfulness, you can get an idea of, you know, what we're seeing out there. Yeah. And I remember from our first interview how you discussed how to talk to parents about it and how to really start with the how does the brain work and how to and then when they understand the working of the brain, really, then how do these drugs and alcohol affect those systems? I think that's so important because in my working with teenagers, when I was at Menninger Clinic, it didn't do me any good to give them a lecture on how these drugs are illegal, how they're bad for them, how they might affect their grades or, or, or graduating or going to college or getting a job. They, they didn't care about any of that and they didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty much, you know, talking to, to, to nobody. <laughs> but what did capture their attention was when I started to talk to them about the neuroscience. Mm-hmm. They were very curious about their brain. They were curious about how their brain works. So I would educate them in a very, very simplistic way about how drugs work in the brain. And I have a chapter in my book, a brief chapter in my book that helps parents understand the importance of 
of the brain, how the brain works. You know, the fact that the brain, for example, uh, doesn't get fully developed during teenage years and how certain drugs affect the brain. And in my book, I have a picture of a brain and it shows the different areas of the brain and what they're responsible for. And then I have another picture that shows where marijuana attaches itself to the brain. And I would show that to the kids and they could immediately see how marijuana was interacting in their brain, how it was attaching to different areas of the brain and how it might be affecting some of their uh, some of their functions in the brain. Mm -hmm. Um, because many of these uh, symptoms that we see are not readily observable. Uh, when I saw some of the test results come back on these kids that were smoking marijuana on a regular basis, that I saw that the processing speed of their brain was below average, their short-term memory was impaired, and their motivation was very low. Now, you know, that's not something that might be readily observable as a parent, but the message is that these drugs do affect that teenage developing brain. And parents, I think, um, are well advised to understand that their child's brain is, is in the process of maturing and developing and needs to be protected. And, and when you're talking to kids, that seems to be something that captures their attention. So I would begin yeah. by educating a child, um, even during preteen years, during mm -hmm. elementary school, about the brain. Just teach them about yeah. the brain. Mm -hmm. And then as they get a little older, introduce how drugs you know, affect the brain. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think I remember you saying there is also a time frame where you your brain can re- heal itself. Right. Yes. It, it, and so let's talk about that because I think that that's like the light at the end of the tunnel, maybe for some of these parents it, and teens. It, it really is. And, and, and it, it's, it's, it's a message of hope because what we know is our brain has a remarkable capacity to heal itself. So once we uh, stop introducing uh, substances into the brain that shouldn't be there, uh, whatever damage has been done, the brain starts to heal itself. Now, it depending on how young you started and how often you used and how long you use, that healing process may take a, a, a mm. certain amount of time. But it's pretty remarkable on how our brains can 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 heal them can heal uh, over right. a period of time and that's that's a message of hope because we know that treatment works our brains can heal and 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 kids can get past this and so can families yeah absolutely and i you know i'm so glad that you have this pamphlet this workbook available your website and all the information educating these families what are some um maybe some tips to talk about how the pandemic might have affected your teen and um, post you know and now kind of see well what do you need help with now moving forward yeah, I think for some kids, uh, they may they may have struggled getting back into the traditional classroom environment, um, and parents need to just pay close attention. Maybe have some discussions with your child about how things are going, uh, because many times these kids will keep what's going on inside. You know, they won't talk about it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's you know, check in with the teachers to get their observation of how the child is doing in the classroom, how the child is interacting with peers. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything that teachers and counselors are concerned about, 
And then check in with your child with these mental health check questions that I have on my website every once in a while. And just have a discussion about, hey, how are things going at school? You know, what's going on? You know, how are you feeling about getting back into the regular school environment? Just sort of in a casual way, check in with them from time to time. Yeah, I really like that. You know, there's recently like an ad that I've seen where uh, the teenager comes home and she's in a bad mood. The mother says, are you okay? And the teen just, you know, kind of puts her hands up and walks away and shuts the door. And the, she's the mother or the teen vice versa. They send each other a song of how they're feeling and they communicate this with each other through the music. And I just thought that's such a great message to share (laughs) because sometimes your teen doesn't respond to conversations and they're in that mindset and that music is so powerful for them to help dive through those feelings that if they can share that with us, that's a great way to help kind of bridge that gap to communicate with them. So I just thought that was a really great little commercial. I don't even know where I saw it or anything, but no, I, I, think the that's, I, th- I think that's a good example of how every child has a unique way of being yeah. able to express their feelings. Not every child is going to sit down and have a big drawn out conversation about <laughs> right. their feelings, but some might express it in music. Some might express it in artwork yes. or drawings. Um, and, and, and if, and if that is something that your child, that you've noticed about your child, you know, they like to draw or maybe they like to write uh, or maybe they listen to music. You know, you can explore those as options to yeah. have your child express how they're feeling. Um, and, and it doesn't always have to be when they're when you've noticed that something that is uh, concerning is going on. You know, maybe they've had a really good day and they're happy. Ask them, how, do, how would you express that? You know, would you express it in writing? Would you express it in a song? Would you express it in a drawing? And if so, have them show you. Have them show you when the feelings are good, because that might open the door to them showing you when the feelings are not so good. I love that. That What a wonderful way to show reflection and to make sure that you're always supporting that positive side of it too, because that is such an important piece of connection with your child. So important. Richard, it's such an honor to have you back on to the show. And I know we have um, some more important topics coming up that we're going to discuss in later episodes. Where can people go to find you? Give us your website and, and any information that we've missed that you want to cover before we end today. I would say go to the book's website which is www.helptheaddictedchild.com, helptheaddictedchild.com. There you can read endorsements and book reviews. Uh, You can read a sample chapter of the book. Uh, There's information on the parent workbook because I developed a small, short parent workbook to help parents. Um, And the book itself is a a resource for parents. There will be a link that will take you to Amazon, or if you want, you can purchase it either as a Kindle or as a paperback. Um, And um, I'm hoping that it'll be a good resource, uh, particularly to learn about the warning signs. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I have warning signs in the book about a child that might be drinking alcohol, warning signs for a child that might be smoking marijuana, Mm -hmm. warning signs for a child that might be developing an eating disorder, a child, warning signs for a child that might be self-injuring themselves. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes, not always, but sometimes a child might be developing an eating disorder or might be self-harming themselves at the same time they're using a substance 
substance. So parents need to be aware of these warning signs too, particularly the eating disorders and self-injuries, because kids are very good at keeping those two issues under the radar. Uh, so, so learn the warning signs. Thank learn the warning you. signs. Very, very important um, advice to give parents. So valuable. It's such a pleasure to have you back on. And I look forward to staying in contact and keeping yeah. everybody informed as well as we can. Well, thank you so much for having me and for yeah. participating in the discussion. And, uh, you know, um, I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. And you I too. hope that uh, everybody listens to listen to our discussion, uh, maybe feels a little bit better about this topic. Absolutely. I believe they will. Thank you so, so much. And we'll be in touch. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye.